Do they actually have two-way mirrors? I've never seen a two-way mirror <laughs> in my life. Out now. Watching the detectives with New York Times best-selling author, Cara Hunter. You must scrutinise the evidence. Don't just take it on blind faith. I'm assuming most of you have a, probably an unhealthy interest in, in crime and crime scenes. Is that realistic? Can you be accurate within a couple of hours as to when that took place? Do you think that AI will become one of your experts? I didn't see this before. This must be from the killer. You put a crime scene on, I was like, oh, can I have a look? No, no, <laughs> no one goes in. I'm not even allowed in. That wonderful machine where you can put in your fingerprints and it'll go beep, 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 beep. Firstly, yes, I'm not disputing that it is Cara Hunter's DNA. And, it, and he literally did say, oh, it's a fair cop. Yeah. From the author of Murder in the Family and Close to Home, watching the detectives. And just remember, just because it's on telly doesn't mean it's true. Watching the detectives is a Laughing Frog production. Available in all the usual places. Hello, how are you? I'm back in the garden. It's about 7.30 in the morning and it is officially bleeding cold. But never mind, the sun's shining and uh, it looks like it's going to be a lovely day, weather-wise anyway. Because we're in Kent, we are in Tier 3 of the post-lockdown restrictions. Producers, audio producers, are not allowed in Kentish gardens, which means... That once again, it's just me. Last month, I, I did what we, we described as a kind of holding blogette, where I wandered around the garden in a slightly disconsolate manner with a microphone, and uh, uh, the result was, uh, in, in terms of theme, a, a bit like a, a Leonard Cohen song after his hemorrhoids had been giving him particular gyps. So if you got through that... Well done. Oh yes, the other thing you're not allowed to do in this part of the country uh, is is to to Morris dance in shopping centres over the Christmas period. This apparently will result in the death penalty. So, every cloud and all that. What we normally do is set up a separate mic for the chickens. So this morning, when I when I first got the chickens up, I'd I'd primed uh, the garden with a microphone. They're quite jolly at the moment, actually, our chickens. Um, partly because they're not laying as many eggs, because they've, they've all molted. I've been giving you a kind of running commentary about Princess Leia the hybrid, who has looked, since the summer, like the wrath of God, as, as if somebody had, had put her in a spin dryer. Because she'd sort of started molting about six months ago, and then and then stopped. And the feathers that remained looked bloody awful. Anyway, she, she then started resembling a, a kind of spiky stress ball with a beak and a red comb. And she now has quite an elegant covering of feathers, and she's quite a good-looking chicken, really. And she's very pleased with her new wing feathers, because it means that she can fly into the ducks' area uh, and uh, mount raids on their food and scrape around in, in their duck house. Now, I thought, I know what I'll do. Uh, there's, there's a box, a plastic box, that uh, 
uh, was weighed down a little bit that we used to secure their gate to stop it blowing open in a high wind. So I just pulled that further away, but that just gives her more of a sort of launch. I mean, she, she takes off a bit like an old Harrier jump jet, sort of more or less vertically and then along, and it's ha-ha. There she goes. I'm not going to be kept out of this. Actually, I was getting a bit worried about the birds not molting because it was getting late in the season. I thought if we get any kind of proper winter, they're going to be a bit bit cold around the old avian chubblies. But it's mostly happening now. In fact, the two bantams, Dot and Dash, who live in a separate run, it was quite extraordinary. I, I came to clean them out uh, about three weeks ago, and... Um, there was this rug of feathers all over the floor of the hen house, and I was expecting to see one and a half bald chickens, but no, they, they, they just looked slightly comb-over-esque. But they still had feathers. I suppose the new feathers had come through and pushed the old ones out. Uh, and I swept all this stuff up, and I thought, that's got to be the end of that. And a week later, I cleaned them out, and it was the same again. So if you're suffering, for instance, from male pattern baldness and find taking a shower every week a source of minor stress... It could be worse. Speaking of males with follicle loss, Richard the Cockerel is going through through a molt at the moment, uh, and he's a bit stop-start as well, which means that, essentially, he doesn't have any neck feathers. Um, he's got these, these long side feathers that go round the back and, and curve round his throat, but in a high wind they blow back, revealing this sort of scrawny pink neck with stubbly bits. It's a good thing chickens aren't body fascists. He still thinks he's Mr Wonderful, although he does look a bit... A bit, well, tatty around the peripheries, shall we say. His hormones have gone into an autumnal semi-deep freeze, so he, he no longer pursues me round the garden with intent and, and making avian threats, which is good. That hasn't stopped him attempting to furiously bonk the chickens. First thing in the morning and last thing at night seems to be his preferred uh, times for lusty activities. Winter is is the time when the romantic idea of chicken keeping is thrown into sharp relief by the, the reality, particularly when you're cleaning them out. I find this a bit of a challenge at the moment. Um, we have a wisteria which had an octopus-like ability to grow and grow and then clamp itself around one of our sheds and it had worked its way under the felt of the roof so that uh, the the shed was no longer waterproof so I had to clamber onto the roof and spend a happy hour with a pair of loppers looking a bit like a, a, a gorilla with a giant pair of scissors hacking all this stuff off uh, which my lower back objected to and three nights later when I was willfully lying in bed it went into spasm, so I ended up screaming into my wife's ear uh, and ended up spending a couple of hours on a high chair. But it does mean that bending down in order to clean out the chickens has become more problematic. Getting the rubber trousers on, which I, I like to do for my, my leisure, uh, has become more difficult. And cleaning them out is the source of minor stress as I bend over a pile of cold and slightly iffy-looking chicken guano in a chicken run, wondering whether my back is about to go into spasm, I'll end up banging my head on the roof as I scream and roll around. It hasn't happened yet. But it's cold and damp and wet, 
and you have to do it at least once a week. And I look at them wandering around the garden and think, is it worth it? And I suppose the answer is yes. I can see Richard at the moment, and he's standing guard over Earl and Slosher, who are investigating a food bowl at the minute. Reversing the conversation slightly and going back to follicles, we have ongoing issues with Richard's leg follicles and, uh, and the uh, infection that he got. Uh, last winter, when everything got appallingly wet and muddy, uh, which is, is ongoing, so he needs regular squirtings of antiseptic fluid, uh, which means every other morning at the moment, for the sake of my back and the sake of his nerves, before he comes out for breakfast, I have to catch him, which means bending double and thrusting myself into the hen house where there's a great deal of hysteria and thrashing about uh, from both of us, actually, as I catch him and then more or less hold him upside down and give him a quick squirt. Uh, and then he's off into the garden and I hobble my way back to the house. Speaking of medical things uh, and vast vet bills, uh, our cat turned 14 not so long ago and developed a thyroid problem. She'd been getting quite ravenous, um, wrenching open packets of bread, chewing tea bags. So we took her to the vet and they said, yes, for a not inconsiderable fee, we can put her on tablets for life. And after about a week, she started honking up violently and stopped eating. So she had to come off the tablets for a little bit. And then we noticed she was eating on one side of her mouth. So we took her back to the vet and said, oh yes, one of her teeth will have to come out, we can see the nerve. And I thought, why didn't you see that before? But anyway, they, they didn't. The vet fees are such that uh, my wife and I haven't eaten for a week, but the cat is looking absolutely perky now. She came home, we were told she'd be wonky and wobbling about uh, after the anaesthetic, but she was absolutely fine. And the following day she went into the garden and celebrated having one less tooth than before by catching a shrew and dismembering it across the kitchen floor. I think it was a little thank you present. Of course, this is the time of year when I really should be looking at doing some improvements to the hen house and, and certainly where the ducks live because the fence is nearly falling down uh, and it really wants replacing. But at the minute, if I attempted to hammer any met posts into the ground and uh, put any uprights in and replace the, fa the fencing, I think I'd, I'd end up in a, well some kind of straitjacket permanently. As it is, I'm wearing a lovely elasticated sports truss, uh, and uh, as a result of which certain parts of me now have what might be described as Velcro rash. I'll leave that to your imagination. During the summer, we were getting about three or four eggs a day. We were almost permanently egg-bound and uh, were giving away dozens and dozens of them to friends and neighbours. And in fact, <laughs> we left a message at the bottom of the drive during the first lockdown saying, do you have any egg boxes? And I would say that as a result of that, people donated around 200 egg boxes. <laughs> Every day we'd come back from walking the dog and find a bag with another four or five of them 
which was very sweet, uh, and we're, we're gradually getting through those, but uh, very gradually at the moment, because the, the rate of, of laying has declined, so we're probably getting an egg every other day, every two or three days sometimes. And the hybrids, when they're laying eggs, they're not really getting enough calcium at the moment. That's, that's always a bit of an issue with chickens. And the shells are very soft, um, which is slightly thought-provoking, because if an egg breaks inside the chicken, they can get something called egg peritonitis, which is serious, and it can finish them off. But so far, Darth and Princess Leia have managed to uh, get these things out, uh, although quite often they break and, and get squished. Um, it, it occurs to me that I really haven't crowbarred in any references to Christmas, which, of course, uh, is the law. I have to do that. I don't know what you feel about Christmas. The chickens and ducks quite enjoy it, really, because the chickens get rations of sweet corn and uh, sprinklings of raisins as well. And they go bananas for raisins. I wish I hadn't said that. Anyway, they like them. And the ducks, well, they like a bit of lettuce at Christmas. Um, and uh, <laughs> they're agreeing. And they also like chicken feed, and they're heading towards the, the chicken house. What put me in mind of Christmas was uh, going back into the house and having a pre-festive leak um, and coming out and finding two doves on our bird table. We used to keep pet doves, um, sort of. We had a dove cot. My, my wife thought it would be a good idea, and, and doves and Christmas. And they're probably very distantly descended from the doves that we had here, and there was a bit of drama getting those. Once we'd got the, the dove cot, which was um, raised uh, on a, a sort of large stick in the back garden, we didn't know where to get the doves themselves, and, and we, we looked at small lads, and we found a breeder on the coast, and we went to see this man who had a farm, and he, he wasn't conventionally jolly. Um, he had a Santa-like beard, uh, only you might describe it as a paramilitary Santa beard, and he also wore camouflage, um, which sets him apart from Father Christmas. And he wasn't one to crack a smile. And we arrived at this farm, and there were messages painted on the concrete drive um, to the effect that people who turned around on his drive would face his wrath and possibly be shot. And we couldn't find him. We wandered around the farm, and, and we came across a cage in which was uh, an, an unhappy magpie. Anyway, he came stomping around the corner uh, and said, I caught that, and it trashed the others, and I can kill the bastards. Anyway, having had that cheerful intro, uh, we were shown some doves, and um, we bought four of them, and he said, um, keep them in, in sort of prison, uh, basically cover your dovecot uh, with mesh and keep them inside that for three weeks uh, and they, they will then kind of imprint themselves on it, which meant I had to go up and down a ladder twice a day with little jars of food and water and these doves were absolutely terrified of me. They'd shriek and hide in the corner as I tried to feed them. And, uh, oh yes, somebody's doing the Randy War Dance of Lust over there. Anyway, after three weeks, my dad and his wife came to stay with us. And it was near Christmas, actually, funnily enough. 
And we thought we'd have the, the great unveiling of the doves uh, to let them into the, into the wider garden. So I unpicked and unstapled this mesh stuff from over the top of the dovecot. And the doves flung themselves from the dovecot onto the neighbour's roof and refused to come back. And two days later, they disappeared altogether except for a pile of feathers that were slightly bloodstained at the base of the dovecot, which indicated that a passing hawk had eaten one of them. We asked somebody that we, we knew who kept doves whether this was normal. And he said, where'd you get them from? And we told him, and he said, ah, well, he's known for having omen dubs. And what he does is he sells them, and he comes back and he sells them again. So I suppose our, our birds were, in a very real sense, ringers. We did end up with dubs that stayed with us, because uh, a farm close to us, uh, an organic farm, had wild doves. Uh, and my, my wife went there to buy some meat and said, oh, you've got doves. And he said, well, yeah, would you like some? And she said, yes. He said, well, I'll catch them for you. Anyway, it was about 7.30 in the morning and the phone rang and this voice said, I've got them doves for you. And I said, um, well, I'm about to go and have some physio. Could, could it wait until mid-morning? He said, not really, I've got them in a bag. So I got a cage that, um, <laughs> that we used for the cat and uh, went to this farm and he produced a large paper potato bag which was writhing and wriggling. Uh, he'd hand me these doves uh, and there were four doves, one half dove, half pigeon and one lost racing pigeon. Uh, and he said, I've got some more, hang on. And he went into the, into the barn where these, these birds lived and slammed the, the barn door and the sound of thumping footsteps going bang, bang, bang up and down this thing came out with two more anyway we did the three-week thing released the half dove half pigeon and used the tag for the the racing pigeon to find its owner who, who lived somewhere in the midlands and we said do you want it back he said well not really i said well no it's not very good at coming back is it we weren't sure which doves were which in terms of pairs and what sex they were so we did this introduction by a process of trial and error we thought well the bigger ones are possibly the males so we put a big one in with a little one and the big one would kick the shit out of the little one so or, or the or vice versa so we just kept swapping them round until eventually they stopped hitting each other and started shagging each other which implied that we'd, we'd kind of got it right and as i say after three weeks and, our, and my parents weren't with us at this point we let them out and they flew around the garden and they stayed put but that night I was coming to put the chickens to bed and I saw this white blob on the lawn and it was a dove who'd gone to bed in the middle of the lawn. You know, I'm nice and white, the lawn is green, here I am, any passing fox could see me coming through the garden and eat me. So there we were with cardboard boxes and a torch pursuing this dove who would sort of hop and fly about five foot and then land again um, with us trying to do kind of rugby tackles and with the cardboard box and slamming the box over where the dove was. Eventually we caught it. And in due course it settled down and they did sleep in their dove cot where they were reasonably um, predator-proof. And eventually one pair produced a squeaker, which is a, is a baby dove. These doves loved the baby when they thought about it but quite often went out on the tiles and didn't come back and just left it on its own in the dovecot. And I thought it'll freeze to death, poor little thing. So I got some, some um, 
polythene gloves and a little cardboard box and some straw and we had one of those tube heaters that you have for greenhouses and, and I rigged up a, uh, an arrangement so this tube heater was on bricks over the top of this thing went up the ladder at about 11 o'clock at night with my rubber gloves on picked this little bird up put it in this cardboard box and it just sat there um, and with its little beak going opening and closing like feed me, feed me, feed me and I thought well, I can't, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not equipped anyway in the morning at about 5.30 I got up and it, it, had, it had survived the night so I put it back into its, into its pop hole and the parents came back anyway this went on for about a week and I then discovered that they, they were returning at night, but they were going into the pop hole next to where their baby was. So they were cuddling up together and forgetting about the baby, and I, I'd, I'd end up picking them up. I, I, I marked them with red felt-tip pens so I could tell which ones were the parents, which you can imagine irritated them not, not inconsiderably. You'd haul them out of their pop hole and stuff them back in with their baby, and, oh, darling, 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 and then the next night they'd be out on the tiles again. So in the end we sealed them up with the baby until it was ready to fledge. And they stayed with us, really, until the upright for the dovecot went rotten and the whole thing fell down. Actually, before that, um, jackdaws moved in to the neighbouring popholes and all the doves moved out, but they kept coming back to visit us. And that was about ten years ago, and they've been with us ever since. Is that Christmassy enough for you? Now, I'm being visited by Princess Leia. Princess Leia is coming up to the veranda of, hello, of the summer house, and looking at me in a, a hopeful manner. Yeah, are you going to come in? I've got nothing for you. No, she's off again, I'm a disappointment. I think that's probably enough inconsequential rambling. I hope that, uh, however it pans out, you have a good Christmas. This edition of Beyond a Yoke was recorded before the current avian flu lockdown. You might want to get in touch with me. I don't know why, but you might. And if you do, we now have a dedicated email address, which is beyondayoke at gmail.com. The music for this podcast is composed by Johnny Easton. I'm Martin Gurdon. Thank you for listening to my podcast. It was a Laughing Frog production. Coming Easter Saturday, actors Brian Murphy and Linda Regan. In, in those days, the kind of um, sitcoms that we loved, we got to know the characters and we really liked the characters. Would be nice if it happened. He said, what do you mean, would be? He said, we're building the set now. <laughs> Sharing a life in comedy and a life of love. He had red and white stripes on his legs and you were standing there and you looked like a tube of toothpaste. Thank you very much. <laughs> Man About the House, first of all, then comes that spin-off series of Georgia Mildred with Youth of Joy. Chemistry. I think I'm OK. Mm. Bounce about, I can still get my legs in the air. Mm. Agents won't ring on Saturday. Agents won't ring at all, darling. Settle down in the studio, please. Be quiet now. Talking is a Laughing Frog production. <laughs>